haven't met you, I'm Jonathan, I'm excited to be here, I get to be pastor here at Bluemont, and I'm really excited about being here and what God has for us, what he's already doing, what he's continuing to do as we look into his word this morning. I, yesterday, I did, and a few others in the room here did something that I've never done before. I heard someone speak who's a current presidential candidate for the United States of America. We went to this, uh, this Health Freedoms Forum event in Kansas City, and the keynote speaker was Robert F. Kennedy Jr. at the end. And it was interesting. I mean, there was a security detail. He's, you know, bringing a lot of passion. And there's a lot of people in the room. Like, afterwards, there's a line of hundreds of people in line to get a, to get a selfie with RFK Jr. And... I, you know, this week, I'm a little bit of a political junkie, and there's, there's been a lot of, you know, the, the interest in the upcoming presidential election is, is growing. There was the Republican debate with eight contenders besides Trump, and I watched some of that, and people were very, like, into it, and hanging on the hopes that, man, maybe one of these people could make a difference in our country and our life. And then, of course, President Trump did his interview at the same time, and that's had over 250 million views, which, if you just think about that, that shows like people are interested. That's the number of people in America, basically. Like, people are, what does that say? It says that there is something in us that is, there's a hope. There's like, there's a hope that there could be a leader who could bring about a better future for our individual lives and for our country. And if you have been around, lived as many years as I've lived, it's not that many, but I feel like, why do people keep hoping for this? <laughs> because like, it doesn't really work very well. Like, there's, these leaders don't ever seem to come through in the way that all the campaign promises project. But the, it points to that there is something in us deeply ingrained that, hey, there could be a leader who brings about a better life and a better world. And that's really what we're looking at today. Um, we've been going through the parables over the last several weeks, and we're going to do that today and, and next week. And this week we're looking at the parable of, actually two, two parables that are both really short. It's three verses total, like three sentences or two sentences, and they have the same very similar meaning, um, the parable of the treasure in a field and the pearl of great price. So we're going to just start reading this and walk through it here and see what, what God has for us. Um, so in, in Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus is teaching, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, I just want to pause there, actually, because when we hear the phrase, the kingdom of heaven, I think where our minds naturally go is different than, what, than where the minds of his audience would have gone. We oftentimes, because of kind of the religious upbringing or the cultural milieu that we live in, we think, when we think kingdom of heaven, we're thinking of streets of gold, we're thinking of these heavenly images, but that is not a very accurate picture of what Jesus was talking about or what his audience would have understood. And many of their minds, they would have gone back to the Old Testament prophets who had prophesied about a, a coming kingdom and a coming king. And that phrase itself, the kingdom of heaven, would have likely, the, probably the place they would have most likely gone to were some visions and dreams from the prophet and politician Daniel from the Old Testament. 
And I just want to look at a couple of these to help frame, like, when they heard that phrase, what would they think of the kingdom of heaven to help us see more fully what, what Jesus was talking about here. So in, in Daniel uh, chapter 2, Daniel is an advisor to the king of Nebuchadnezzar, the king Nebuchadnezzar, who's the, the emperor of the greatest empire the world has ever seen up to that point, the Babylonian Empire. And Daniel's been taken captive because they defeated Israel, and he's becoming this advisor, this young advisor to, to the king. And the king has a dream, and Daniel, also, Daniel is able to interpret this dream. Um, so I just want to read a little bit of it. The, the, the dream, though, was of this huge statue, this huge statue, and the head of it was gold, the shoulders were silver, then it became uh, bronze, and then the feet were, were iron, and then iron mixed with clay at the very, the very bottom. And later on in the book, we find out that that represents the, the kingdoms of this world, the, the humanistic and idolatrous kingdoms of man. And the top, the gold, was the current kingdom at the time, the kingdom of Babylon. And then that was going to be followed by the kingdom of, of Persia, and then Greece, and then Rome. And this is actually explicitly spelled out in Daniel, hundreds of years before these other kingdoms even came into being. Um, so I want to read the, kind of the culmination of, of the dream and then what Daniel says about it. In Daniel 2.34, Daniel says, As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image, it struck that, that idol, that statue, on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, this bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away. Wow, so that these hugest empires, world empires we're still talking about, something hits it and they just become like chaff that are blown away. And not, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then a little bit later, Daniel's interpreting this dream, and he says, so this is what it means, and in the days of those kings, and it's talking about the last kings, the kings of Rome, the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. There's that kingdom of heaven. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, its interpretation, sure. Okay? So, just from that, we know, we can see that, wow, this phrase, the kingdom of heaven, it's speaking of this kingdom that is not just in heaven, but it is of God, of heaven, but very much about what happens on the earth. And it was going to be coming to the earth in the days of the Roman Empire, in particular, and then filling all the earth and dispersing every other kingdom. And then um, later on in chapter 7, there's another vision, or a vision that Daniel sees, that also Jesus' audience, would have, they would have gone here when they think about, when they hear that phrase, the kingdom of heaven. 
And it's, it's, it's this. And then just giving you snippets of this. These are just such powerful passages. But Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the, cloud, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days. And that's, that's God. We just, before that, there's this, this describing God on his throne. The ancient of days. And the son of man was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And what would happen with that kingdom? That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. So, what is the kingdom of heaven? We're going to talk about this parable, but I want to help us have a, a definition, a, a picture, before we go on into this, this parable. There's so much we could say. But literally, the kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven or other places in the Bible, it's interchanged with the phrase, the kingdom of God. It's the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is everywhere where God's rule and reign is being carried out. It's just as we're hoping for a presidential candidate, a president, who can bring a rule and reign that will change things, God has promised and he's brought a kingdom where his rule and reign is in the earth. It's where, where, where God's rule is extended to the world. It's in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God overcomes everything else. And we see that so clearly in that, that first dream, that these just powerful empires, but yet there's something more powerful, and it hits, it hits that, those, those powers, and it crushes them. So the kingdom of God, you look at the evil in the world, you look at the problems in our own lives, the, the injustices or the challenges, the kingdom of God overcomes every other force. And it itself um, extends God's rule and reign. Um, in Matthew 12, 28, Jesus said, hey, you'll know that the kingdom of God is among you because I cast out devils, I cast out demons by the finger of God. Wow, so wherever the kingdom of God comes, it's dispersing the powers of darkness. It's dispersing the powers of evil. And then the kingdom of God, where the kingdom of God is, it's, it's where, as Jesus said, my, you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's kingdom is in heaven, but it's coming to the earth. God's kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. And all throughout the scriptures and the Old Testament prophets, we see these, these beautiful pictures of what it would look like as the kingdom of God comes, how it restores creation, how it brings life and vitality and restores people and reverses the brokenness of the world. It's bringing God's goodness. It's bringing shalom, is the, the Hebrew word for peace, bringing God's peace into the world. That's, that's what happens when the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God comes. It brings, it's his rule and reign. It overcomes everything else, and it's on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, we could, I could talk about this for the rest of my life, um, but just trying to sort of like paint a little different picture here before we go on to the parable. Um, so back to the parable, Matthew 13. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, what's it like? It's like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes, and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay? There's a parable. 
short and sweet. Treasure in a field, man finds it. Actually, show the next slide, Matt. Here's a comic strip version of it. I found a chest, I sold everything I had, I bought the field. All right, there's short and sweet. Um, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But then he goes right on, and then he says, again, verse 40, 45, the next verse, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. All right, so there's a guy. He's looking for, for fine pearls. He finds this pearl like he's never seen before, never been found. He can't afford it. He doesn't have, unless he sells everything that he has. So that's what he does. He sells all that he has, and he goes to buy that, that pearl for a great price. I'm just going to break this down. So the kingdom of heaven is, first of all, it's precious. The kingdom of heaven is precious. Um, I know that word's kind of been ruined by Gollum and Lord of the Rings and my precious, you know. That's, but I couldn't think of a better word. It's like the, the precious, like precious metals. That's what we're talking about here. Why are precious metals precious? Because they're rare, and there's a quality about them that just is beautiful. There's, there's something about it. I, um, earlier this week, I sent a, a, a text out to the members of our church earlier this week, and I said, hey, why, tell me this. I'm talking about this this Sunday. But for you, why is the kingdom of God a treasure? And I love the, some of the responses that came back. I just want to go through some of these. Someone said, hey, because when you find it, it changes your life. When you find it, it changes your life. Someone else said, I think Eddie said this, it gives me freedom and courage for the hard days. Uh, is that you, Eddie? You were the first one. It changes your life. That's right. I knew you were in there. It gives me, I'm not going to guess who said these. I'll get them wrong. It gives me freedom and courage for the hard days. So true. Someone else said it brings hope to the hopeless. Bailey said, seeking it out is the adventure of a lifetime. I love that. A sense of adventure. And an adventure worth your whole life. Someone said, it provides an answer to all of life's most foundational questions. I love that. Because it, it, it relates to every aspect of life. Answers all the foundational questions of life. And then someone else, actually, I'm pretty sure this was Emma, said, it enhances every area of life. And the kingdom of heaven is precious. I just want to think of, just to think about that for a minute, because you don't think about a kingdom as being precious or a treasure, but there is this aspect of the kingdom of God is, is like that. It's like, why is, that tre why is a treasure valuable? Like, when that dude found that treasure in a field, and first of all, I mean, for, there's a lot of reasons. Like, man, I can buy everything I want. Like, everything I want in life, that's the, the allure of, like, man, if I have enough money, then I could, like, create the life that I want. And he found this treasure. There's a tangible, practical value that I can take this treasure and I can convert it to something. I can buy things with it that will make a difference in my life. It's inherently valuable. It's practical, but it's also precious. And that, you know, you see that more, I mean, both with the treasure, but also the pearl. 
Like there's something about it, like it, what, the reason it's valuable is not, a pearl is not valuable for its practical value, but there's just something about it that is the beauty. Really, the value of a pearl comes from its beauty. And I, I was thinking about this, and I remember some, one of my places in the world where I've seen the most beauty is a couple natural history museums. I've seen it in the Washington, D.C., and the Toronto National History Museums. They have these rooms of gems and minerals. And it's just these, this big room. And yeah, there's a picture here. You can't really see it very well. But it's thousands of these exquisite gems that have been found of all different colors and shapes and lusters and radiances. And I've, I honestly, this doesn't sound very manly, but I feel like I could just stay in there for 10 days and just like look at these things. Like, it's just the beauty is like, wow, this is incredible. And like hidden in the earth, in the rocks, that God has put just all this beauty in there. And it does something. But to, see, to see beauty, it does something to your heart. It does something. It awakens something. And it brings you in touch with, man, there's, there's something about life. There's something that I was made for. That is, that is more than just the humdrum and, and the everyday. The kingdom of God, that's what this is. The kingdom of heaven is precious. Next thing about the kingdom of heaven is that the kingdom is hidden. Like those gems. They're not just sitting out on top of the ground. Rarely. Most of the time, they're found when people dig. And here it was. This guy found, finds the treasure hidden in a field. It's not, if, if it hadn't been hidden, someone else would have gotten it before. But the kingdom of heaven is like that. It has an aspect that is not just sitting on the ground. It has to be pursued. It has to be sought. The, the effects of God's rule and reign coming into our lives, coming into the world. There's, there's a hiding. There's a seeking that is involved with that. And there's something about that that, like, like Bailey's thing, like the adventure of a lifetime in, in seeking it. There's people, I, it's still crazy to me how, like, I've got five kids, and I've had dozens and dozens of kids in my house over the years. And it's kind of, it's funny to me, like, kids love to play hide and seek. Like, that's just a game, like, older than you would expect. They still like to play hide and seek. Because there's something in us that is made for that hunt, made for that search. A lot of times people are like, hey, how come, man, is God real? Man, how come he doesn't just show himself to us and make it obvious? Because, like, well, you'd blow up, first of all. Bad idea. Like, you couldn't handle seeing God like that. But also because part of the way it's designed is there's an aspect of God that is hidden. Proverbs, this is, it's amazing. I've heard multiple people in our church say, this is one of my, my favorite verses, and it's one of my favorite verses. Um, Proverbs 25.2 says, It's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. That's We were made for that. The glory we were made. There's something about that searching, the hidden wisdom, searching the hidden kingdom of God that pulls us up into being the kings and queens that we were meant to be. The glory of kings is to search things out, and the glory of God is to conceal things. He, Jesus, you know, it's interesting, he wasn't, like, trying to prove himself to people. I mean, he did a lot of things that proved who he was, 
But oftentimes he was concealing who he was. And it was like, hey, who's going to be willing to search and dig and find out who I am? The kingdom of, God, the kingdom of heaven is, is hidden. And, you know, there's a, there's a quality about it that's kind of oftentimes obscure. Uh, you can be looking right at the kingdom and not realize it. You can just like many people went right past that treasure in the field. Went right over it, had no idea. Because it's hidden. And it's hidden in stuff that doesn't look very beautiful. Stuff that doesn't look very glorious. The kingdom is hidden. And where is it hidden? I think this is, this is really important. The kingdom is hidden, well, it's hidden in the Bible. If you want to uncover and find the kingdom of God, it's, then search the Bible. Remember, one of the things that happened for me when I'm, I'm excited to meet a lot of you 18-year-old freshmen, because I'm like, man, that was a time in my life where my life was just exploded in growth and coming into what God had for my life. And part of what happened was as I began to open up to more of God and, and his spirit leading me, I, I had grown up in church, but I began to see the kingdom of God in the Bible like I never had before. Like I, I'd been grown up in a church where the message of the Bible was about personal salvation. It was the whole, I was taught that the pinnacle of what God's message is, is, is pray a prayer so your sins can be forgiven and you can go to heaven when you die. And, but I began to realize, I don't think that's the, I don't see that as the central message in the Bible. But what I do see is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's everywhere. And I just, reading through the Bible, it was just like opening up. Oh my goodness, there it is. There it is. This is what God's about. He's bringing his kingdom into the world. Wow. But it's, as you read, it's uncovered. The kingdom of God is also hidden in people. Uh-oh. Talk about ugly places to hide the kingdom. Talk about, like, not, not obvious. Talk about, you know, it's funny. Oftentimes the people where the kingdom of God is hidden for you are the people who you would never be friends with apart for the kingdom of God. Now, that's what the beauty of the church is. It brings people together who are like, wait, that's, this, you're not like the people I naturally incline to hang out with. There's, it brings diverse kinds of people together. And God puts people in your life who are different than you. And it's in relationship with other people that the kingdom of God is uncovered. And so often it looks like someone challenging you, someone having a different way of thinking than you. And you're like, wait, that's, you're weird. <laughs> but then if you like hang in there, if you dig a little, uh, oh, 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 wow, never would have seen that on my own. But that person, you embody something, you get something of God and his kingdom that I need, that I can't get apart from being in relationship. And I mean, I see a Jesse up here, you know, we've, we've known each other for 20 years, and the last year we've gotten to to know each other better than ever. And there have been a lot of days when Jesse's been like, he hasn't told me this, but I just, I know it's true. <laughs> He's like, Hup, you're killing me. <laughs> like, well, you just told me that. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, what do you mean by that? And that, that, that actually feels a little offensive. And, you know, sometimes it's because I'm a jerk and dumb and a, a buffoon. 
But, you know, but it's, that's how it works. Like, we're in relationship with people that it, like, strikes us weird, strikes us different, but it's in those relationships. If we're willing to press into those places where we're challenged or where it's different, then we find out, oh, oh, actually the reason I don't get that is because I'm sitting on the throne of my life in this area. Actually, I'm used to living thinking like this. But they're bringing a different perspective. That's where, what it would look like for Jesus to sit on the throne of my life and bring his kingdom in that area. Okay. That's, what am I going to do with that? Kingdom is hidden. It's hidden in relationships. I mean, we all want relationships, right? But then we don't want relationships because, man, they're so dirty. They're so messy. There's so much drama. They're so, diff- so difficult. But that's where it's so much of the uncovering of the kingdom of God comes in relationships. And similarly, the kingdom of God is hidden in the, the whole, what's called, I'm calling the sanctification process, the process of growth, the process God uses to grow us. It's not often fun. It's not often glamorous. Because it is, it's, it's us, it's God putting his finger on the places in our life where we're trying to be King Nebuchadnezzar with our little fiefdom. And we're just as much of a tyrant as Nebuchadnezzar. We just don't, we're just not as good at it as he was. But we, like, we know how, what we want. We're trying to make things the way we want it. And the God is like, hey, what about that? What about how you spend your time? What about your media intake? What about your anger? What about your lust? What about this and that? What about the way you, you deal with shame? And it's, oh, the way to growth is take up my cross and die to myself and say yes to Jesus. That is a process, and it's not often fun, especially in the early stages. But as we lean into that process, as we lean into growth, then the kingdom of God comes forth, and his rule and reign. And the thing that we're looking for from, from a, a Messiah, for a, a president, to bring peace and prosperity and blessing, that comes as we lean into that sanctification process. So the kingdom of heaven is, is hidden. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom is costly. Uh-oh. I thought salvation's a free gift. Well, it, it sort of is. It is. But it also costs you everything. So the kingdom of heaven is costly. How much does it cost? How much did it cost those two dudes to get the treasure, to get the pearl of great price? Everything they had. Everything they had. They they would not get the treasure unless they emptied their pockets and emptied their bank accounts and worked the second job, found they, it was more than they could have, it was everything they had to enter the kingdom and to receive the kingdom. Um, and that's interesting because the kingdom, it's, it was worth way more, especially like that treasure in the field shows that so clearly that like the treasure was worth way more than the guy had. He didn't actually have to pay for the kingdom. He didn't have to pay for the treasure. But he had to pay for the field. And that, the field, cost him everything he had. But when he paid for the field, he paid for the relationships and the sanctification process and all that. He paid for it. It cost him everything he had. But he got something worth so much more. Now, Jesus says, hey, first commandment is love 
God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all your time, all your interests, all your hobbies, all your possessions, all your dreams, all your careers. Love him with everything. After you do that, you can do whatever you want with the rest. After you give God everything, hey, you can, you can, but it's, it's everything. It costs everything to, to receive the kingdom. All your convenience, your time, your money, your dreams. And, but it's, it's, it doesn't. And that's why, like, hmm, I wonder why we're not seeing more of the kingdom. Well, maybe because we're not, we're not, we're not seeing how costly it is to see his, his blessing and his, his peace and his purpose come into our life so often. But the kingdom of heaven is worth it. It's costly, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's a good find. That man, he says, with joy, he went. He sold everything he had, and with joy, he bought that field. Because he realized, man, what I am getting, this is, this is what I want. This is worth it. It's like a, a good find, like when you, a, a good purchase. I, the only, I've only got one car loan in my life. This is for a Honda Odyssey minivan I bought in 2001. And it cost more money than I had. And you know what? I still own that van. It's got 330,000 miles on it. Like, that was a good purchase. That was worth the $22,000 plus interest that I paid. It took me four years to pay off. Like, that was a good find. And you know, like, there's certain things that you buy, certain things. It might be a piece of clothing or decoration. You're like, wow, that's expensive. But, wow, this is quality. That's, I, when you buy those type of things, you don't regret it. You never even think about the price in the future. Like, you get it, and then you're like, I'm glad I got that. That was good. That's the kingdom of heaven is like that. It costs us, but, oh, man, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And I look back at, at my life, and like, man, thank God. I, not that I've lived this perfectly or am living this perfectly, but to the degree that I have been willing to give my life to invest in, in Jesus being the center of my life. And learning how, God, how does your kingdom affect my life? How does it affect my family? And then how does it affect how I view myself as a citizen? And how do you want to bring change in the world and politics and education and everything? Oh, man, this, it brings purpose and life and meaning. And, oh, man, it is, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. It's, it's a gift, actually, even though it costs everything. So where are you at today? Have you gotten a glimpse of the kingdom? You got a glimpse of the kingdom. Maybe you got a little bit more of a glimpse this morning. Have you seen that, that pearl, that treasure? It's like, oh, man, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I was made for. Okay. Ah, oh, man. I pray that that would be the case more and more and more. And are you, are you passionate? And I believe God's just even stirring this morning a passion to see his rule and reign come into our individual lives. I believe he's seen the stirring of passion for his rule and reign to come into your callings, your jobs, your places as students or professionals or whatever that is, to see his kingdom come. Say, like, what would it look like? What would it look like for God's kingdom to come into my home like I've never seen it before?
What would it look like for that, that king to bring his, his prosperity, his shalom, his peace, his blessing into my home? Oh, man. Wow, that's great. What about my job? What about my relationships, my friendships? Man, that's everything. You know, and then the, the question is, man, are you, are you willing? Are you willing to give everything for that? Are you willing to give everything for the knowing that you know that you know that Jesus is the king in your life and that you are in this adventure of seeing his kingdom come more in you and the world around you? Are you willing to invest your time? Are you willing to give your money? Are you willing to change your plans? Are you willing to realign your relationships? Are you willing to dig into relationships and dig in this, into this transformation process? Because that is the cost. But man, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I, I am here today to say, man, it, it, my experience is it is so worth it. A lot of people in this room will say, it is worth it. It is the joy of a lifetime. And prayer is that you would experience that too. And I just am hopeful that even as that, those two men saw the treasure and saw the pearl, and they embarked upon a different trajectory for their life, that that could be the case for, for us right now. That could be the case for us this year. That, wow, God, there's something more. This is, this is the treasure. So I'm going to pray. Um, and then we're going we're gonna to worship with one more song after that. Um, so worship team, you can, you can come on up. Um, but yeah, let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for the treasure of your kingdom. Thank you for even hiding it but making it findable. And Lord, just would you magnify our understanding, our revelation, our hunger for your kingdom, for your rule and reign in our lives. Lord, I pray even just for the practicality that even right now there would, we would, there would be places where you, we would see where you're you're pointing out an area in our life and saying, hey, that's where I want to bring my kingdom into your life next. I want you to open up to that. I want you to pursue that. Lord, trust you to bring that about. And Lord, would you, would you help us to, to enjoy and delight in the beauty and the adventure of your kingdom? Thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.